0: Well, hello, and welcome to the RBI Shop. I'm your host, Ryan Bishop. Today, we are day four of five, talking about the Mariners hot stove preview. Um, The first one, we talked about how good the AL West will be next year. There'll be quality teams. The second day, we talked about um, players who could improve going into 2021. And that's really where you're gonna see the biggest growth on this team going forward, is guys who played in 2020, taking that step forward in 2021 last episode we talked about minor leaguers who'd be showing up next year. most of them probably won't be up on day one um but that kind of gives us a good look at where we're at going here into free agency and today so it's getting interesting let's talk about some new names that could be mariners um, in 2021. we're going to talk some exciting names some unexciting names and we'll kind of talk about what the mar- so we're going to start talking about what the market looks like. We'll talk about hitters because that's going to be a lot simpler at first. And then we'll get into pitching, which is going to be a bit of a mess. And we'll finish up talking a little bit about the international market. Let's go. Okay, so we're going to start by talking about what the market looks like going into this free agency season. And it is going to be a weird one. Ultimately, I believe at the end of the day, How the market ends up turning will um, basically define what the Mariners end up doing this offseason. There are several just obviously crazy factors going into this year. Um, First of all, obviously, COVID, all that revenue loss by teams. Everybody's going to be looking for ways to recoup that cost. And now there's really two ways you can do this. You can decrease salaries or not get any big free agents let your kind of salary cap flow back down um a team could easily save money that way if you save 10 million dollars by not signing a reliever it opens up things for you and the other option that teams can go for which i hope more teams do is try to make more money <laughs> rather than trying to cut players in order to save money why not go out and Get yourself in the playoffs. Go out and get that big name free agent who's gonna sell jerseys for you. Go out and get somebody who's going to attract players to people to your team. That Trevor Bauer kind of free agent that is going to have all eyes on him no matter where he ends up going. Um, but it's very reasonable for a team to say, okay, we lost a bunch of money in 2020 2020. In 2021, we're gonna make money back by making the playoffs, increasing our jersey sales, increased ticket sales because we have better players. So as much as teams are going to try to recoup costs, that doesn't necessarily have to have an effect on free agency. The other major factor is there's a CBA coming up um, at the end of 2021, and the negotiations are already full in effect um, between the Players Union and the MLB. um, But basically what that new contract ends up looking like um is largely going to be based on what happens this year right now you see Manfred trying to take over the minor leagues for better or worse um, I do believe there's some strong positives in that he's trying to expand the playoffs which would increase revenue for owners and himself um there's lots of those rule changes going on do they keep the dh or not do they um make a pitcher pitch to at least three batters or Um, Any of those pace of play rules, they keep changing. Do they shorten the season? Um, So Manfred's got all these different ideas going on. And unfortunately, the relationship is really poor between the MLBPA and the owners slash Manfred. So basically, the players union represents the players. Manfred is basically the union that represents the owners. There's a lot of distrust Um, We saw, we've seen salary manipulation increase where teams keep a player down in the minors longer than they should in order to save money in the future. Um, So there's not a lot of trust moving forward. However, if owners, if teams are willing to pay a little bit more money in free agency, are willing to increase that market some to make sure that guys over 30 can still get paid playing baseball, that would go a long way to ease that CBA process. So, you know, it's in the back of the owner's minds that if we can increase our output in free agency, that can potentially save the money going forward because that CBA negotiation is not going to be pretty. And quite frankly, it could very much end up in a strike in 2022 or some kinds of issues like that. And so hopefully what you're seeing is the owner saying, "Okay, we've got to start paying for players Um, more and more lately. As you know, though, mega deals have gone out of style. Teams are trying to win more sustainably. And if you look at like the Tigers, they have a I can't remember, I think it's 30 million wrapped up in Miguel Cabrera. They're just getting out of a four-year, $200 million contract with Jordan Zimmerman. They haven't been able to do anything because they had all this money wrapped up in big deals. Big deals rarely tend to work out. Zach Grinke is one of the few exceptions out there of a guy who plays a I think his was six years 210 million dollars and looks like he's going to play the whole thing really well it is rare for those big contracts to work out though and usually what you see is a team has to win early on in order to kind of make that money back again through selling playoff tickets selling jerseys um, that's where a guy like Garrett Cole is a huge addition to New York even though he costs a ton of money Um. So overall, I think this sets up for a bizarre scenario. I think you could potentially see mid-level players have a not like extreme boost, but all making an extra one, two, three million dollars on their contracts because teams are going to want to attract fans. They're not going to want to throw out this product in 2021. What looks like they're just putting out whatever they can find to try and save money, but they're going to want to have solid players on the field to attract fans. But I don't think teams are going to be as confident to lock up a big deal, especially knowing that the CBA could change contract rules a ton. Um, I think the market is going to start out very slow at first. Um, You're seeing a trend where a ton of fringe 40 man roster players are getting cut, especially relievers. Um, And I think that's going to increase a ton more once these playoffs end. Right now, as I'm recording this, right after game four of that World Series. Um, what a crazy finish. Um, but as these playoff teams start kind of getting the chance to catch their breath, decide who's on their roster next year too, you're going to see a lot of movement with guys who are kind of that a decent reliever, but not necessarily somebody you want to take up a 40-man roster spot. And to get them off the roster, those guys have to clear waivers. And so teams are doing that like crazy right now. And so I think you're going to see some major changes in rosters as guys get picked up and dropped across. Um, And I think free agency will kind of wait for some of that to settle before teams start offering contracts as much. Um, I think you could also have teams waiting. Um, Right now there's a spike in COVID cases across the country. And you could see teams pause and say, okay, let's see how this turns out because... I'm not going to go out to sign Trevor Bauer to get people to show up to my stadium if I know nobody's going to be in my stadium next year. And we really don't know what's going to happen like that. So there's going to be some bizarre scenarios. I think it's going to be slow moving. I think there's a potential boost for guys in the middle level talent, even though traditionally those guys seem to be the ones who get the short end of the stick. The Mariners could go all in. For example, if that market is really slow guys aren't getting big contracts. The Mariners have saved money this year, or were going to save money this year. They didn't lose as much as other teams, and so for them to realistically go all in is very reasonable to get a couple big-name players. Um, Obviously, the problem with big-name contracts is, like you saw in Cincinnati, they signed a bunch of great guys. You thought they looked great, like you saw in Philadelphia. Winners of free agency two years ago, both teams struggle to move forward because usually free agents aren't what change everything for you. One or one guy can make a decent difference if he fits the team perfectly, but usually being the biggest spender in free agency does not relate to being the biggest um, improved team across the season. So I think they'll likely big, bring in a couple bigger names in than in the last past couple off seasons. Obviously, two years ago, they were basically doing nothing. They did bring Yusei Kikuchi, knowing that they wanted to take a couple years with him. Um, Last year, you saw them basically bringing nothing, a flyer on Kendall Graveman, which worked out, Yoshihashi Hirano, which worked out. Um, But not guys you would necessarily want running in a playoff run. Um, They need to pick up some bigger names, I believe. Um, So we'll see what happens. We are going to start by talking about offense. And those positions that the Mariners actually have a need in, which on offense isn't much, and then we'll spend the majority of our time talking about pitching, which is where there are a ton of different ways the Mariners could go. So first thing, um, we're not going to go over minor league guys, guys who might make the rosters like a Nick Margavich's kind of type like last year, where he wasn't the kind of guy you expected to come in and start ended up being the nice piece probably makes a team going forward but even next year is potentially a triple a um fringe mlb kind of guy so we're not going to talk about too many minor league names we're going to talk about more guys that we would see being on the team excuse me being on the team all year next year um the one place we'll start is catcher and while i said I, i just said we're not going over minor league guys i do believe catcher is an important position where you need to have three guys that are really ready to go. Right now, we have Murphy, we have Torrens, and you have Rally who's kind of waiting in the wings. However, you don't want to have to call up Rally because somebody gets hurt or because um, Torrens is struggling or anything like that. You want to call up Rally when you know you're ready to call him up. So I think you need a guy to replace Joe Hudson. (laughs) I know Joe Hudson isn't like this all-world, let's go get this guy. But somebody who can play kind of a triple-A level ball and come into the majors if there's problems, obviously with Murphy having missed a full season, there's questions going forward. Um, So you could bring a guy like Hudson back or bring back another guy like him. You could also bring in a higher level talent. So Torrens could reasonably play on the minors next year. You could bring in a guy like Mike Zunino or Jason Castro. Both those guys are um, experienced. Have some playoff experience now. Um, I'm assuming Zunino doesn't get picked up by Tampa, at four and a half million. Not guys who are going to break the bank for you. Probably get them for two or three million for a year. Um, but guys who are strong leaders, guys who know the rest of the league, know the rest of the division pretty well, and guys who can lead some young pitchers behind the plate. So there's a couple options there. Um, J.T. Realmuto is on a, on the. Um, in the hot stove he's available I don't think there's a chance Real Muto comes in but like when you look at San Diego in 2018 they brought in Eric Hosmer which was a silly move at the time kind of a waste of money however as he kind of grew up with that team it really helped so if the market does move slowly at the top why not bring in the best catcher in baseball defensively and offensively arguably and have him grow with your pitchers for a couple years and then have them around when you're really good in 2021, 2022 kind of level guys. So if the market breaks, I wouldn't expect them to pay full market value for him, but if he's available, if he'll go for a three or four year deal, $20, $30 million, not, maybe not 30, but 20 million per year. So like a three year, 20 or three year, $60 million or four years, $80 million. Real Muto is a reasonable acquisition. Um, so you'll get somebody as a catcher, probably not a huge name. There's a chance, most likely a guy like Joe Hudson, who you'll never hear of, but possibly some of the bigger guys in the outfield. And I know I've said that the outfield is the best problem the Mariners have. There's all these great guys. You can potentially have Lewis Kelnick and Haniger out there next year with Trammell and, um, Julio Rodriguez waiting in the wings for their turn, um, Either way, you need kind of a holding spot until Kelenik comes up. I don't believe they call Kelenik up in April. Um, You need a potential injury replacement. Haniger is great when he's healthy, but when you've been out of the league as long as he has, there's no knowing what to expect, and his recovery injury, coming back and hurting his back, that's a scary injury for a hitter. So we don't really know what to expect out of him, I think what you'll see is whoever the Mariners end up signing as an outfielder this offseason will tell you how he how DePoto actually thinks of Haniger. DePoto has a history, in my opinion, of downplaying injuries. So when he says Haniger's back, Haniger's is going to be great next year. We expect him to be back. I'm a little bit leery on that. I don't trust it fully. I will trust it if I see them go out and sign. Um, so to throw out a couple names, Jake Marisnik, Ben Gamel guys who have some playoff experience, guys who can play solid defensively, can hold their own at the plate enough, guys who would be fine spending a month knowing they have that starting role and then backing off into that fourth outfielder position. Um, That would tell me that Haniger is back next year and Haniger is going to be good if they got a guy like Jake Marisnik or Ben Gamal. There's a couple other ways they could go. I don't think they're in the running at all for Ozuna, Springer, or even Jackie Bradley Jr. Those guys will want long-term deals. You're looking for an outfielder who will take a one-year deal. A prove-myself deal, um, Jock Peterson, might be a great option here. Um, he can play out in the outfield. He's got playoff experience. He's probably not going to get the, the money he deserves in L.A. unless he just likes winning and is willing to accept less money. Um, but he also would have that opportunity to DH in Seattle. So he could play in the outfield some until Kelnick comes up, play in the outfield when those guys are up as a replacement, and then also DH. So um, Jock Peterson is a very reasonable off- option, probably a higher level name that you would see the Mariners bring in, but he's an option nonetheless. Um, and the other thing is, there's guys like uh, Brett Gardner, Joanna Cespedes, or Matt Kemp. Maybe you bring one of those guys more for veteran leadership again, those guys probably fit the category more with Marisnik and Gamel, where if we sign one of those guys, you know that Haniger is going to be good next year, or they truly do think Haniger is going to be good next year. Um, if they did go out and get a Jackie Bradley Jr., that's when I would start to say, okay, I don't trust this Haniger anymore, um, because obviously the front office wouldn't be showing that they trust him. So I think you'll get a Mid-level outfielder, I hope they would bring in somebody with some playoff experience. That's why all those guys I named tend to have playoff experience, except maybe Cespedes. (laughs) That's what happens when you're met. Um, But a guy who's a veteran who can bring some leadership and also fill a role in the beginning of the year. Second second place, second base on offense is really where you're going to see a big move happen if there is one. Now, we have some great competition. You've got Ty France, you've got Dylan Moore, you've got Shedrick Long, all who could play second base next year. So the Mariners have a decision to make. Um, if they do go big here, Jerks and Profar is probably one of the best fits in free agency out of everybody. He's likely to get a four to five year deal. He's likely to approach twenty or $100 million total in his contract. Um, he's got incredible flexibility as a switch hitter can play outfielder, but probably, and that's what he did in San Diego, and that's why he probably ends up leaving San Diego, is because they're not going to pay him like a middle infielder, which he tends to be. Um, They're going to pay him like an outfielder utility role, which he has been there. And I think he has proven that he's a higher-level star who can start day in and, day, in and out, day out, especially at a second base, especially if you get him working with a guy like Perry Hill, the Mariners' infield coach. If you do go out and sign Jerickson Profar, you are committing to him as your second baseman of the future. So if Jerry thinks there's any chance that Long or Dylan Moore turn into the second baseman of the future, then this probably goes out the window. But Profar could easily play outfield that first month and then settle into a second base role across the season. Um, Second base is the biggest question. I still don't know what to expect. But if you're going to see a big splash as a hitter, as a fielder, Jerks and Profar is probably the way the Mariners go. Other guys you can go, and there's a couple guys who would be a good holding spot until Long is ready. And assuming that Dylan Moore is kind of used as a utility guy moving forward. Um, But Jonathan Shoup or uh, Tommy Lastella, either guys um, can compete. Will give you Major League of Bats, strong players, strong defensively. Um, and not going to break the bank with the contracts. That being said, these are guys that are likely held more valuable in this market because teams are going to look to patch holes with mid-level guys. And Lastella are great players to just have around on your team. So I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of work their way out. And that isn't assuming that the Mariners still see Long as a future guy and assuming that they see more as a utility guy. You go out and get one of those guys. There's um, a couple other guys you bring in just as competition or just in case somebody gets hurt. So if Dylan Moore gets hurt and you're trusting Shad Wong to be your second baseman all year next year, that's probably not the best situation. Wong um, seems like he needs a break, and then obviously if one of them gets hurt, there's, a chance there's always odds that other guys gets hurt. So you could bring in a guy like Brad Miller, bring him back. Bring in Cesar Hernandez from uh, the Indians was incredible defensively probably going to win a gold glove at second base this year um so you could bring in some of these guys who would add some competition as well as in case somebody gets hurt and then also play utility um miller is great around the field hernandez you probably don't bring in unless you know you can play him at second base or shortstop daily because he is just a great fielder so overall with on offense hitters and fielders You are looking at probably bringing a catcher, most likely a high AAA guy just to replace Joe Hudson. Nothing to get excited about, but there's potential of more. In the outfielder, you'll probably see a mid-level guy, a guy with playoff experience, a guy who can play a fourth outfield role, um, but a guy that doesn't need a long-term contract. Um, If the Mariners do go with a bigger name, then you should probably be more worried about Mitch Haniger because they probably don't trust him much. And then second base is where you're most likely to see a splash signing. And Jerks and Profar is probably the best name there. Um, but you could bring in a couple other guys. When we get to pitching, <laughs> now we're getting to pitching. This is where things are going to get really messy. So basically, we're seeing that carousel of relievers, average level guys starting to make its way around. Um, teams are cutting guys, they're getting picked up by others. Um. I know last time I talked about Art Warren as being one of the guys moving forward, and now he's gone. Um, T- Tyler Gilbo is gone, guy that we kind of expected to be around for a while, and so it's kind of interesting to see what's going on with this. I thought this would get easier as it got closer to the end of the World Series, but quite frankly, this is proving more and more difficult because teams are taking some weird approaches to this. Um, that being said... DePoto last year said he wants to have eight to nine potential starters. He talks about over 162 games, nine innings per game. So you need 91440, uh, right around 1450 innings. So 1450 innings across the season. Do you have guys who are willing to able to fill those roles, including if and what tends to happen with pitchers is at least one guy is going to get hurt over the year. So going into this year, before COVID had reduced it to a 60-game season, he talked about having eight to nine guys as potential starters. That does not mean that they have a nine-man rotation or anything, but guys who can um, start. Some of them will be in the minors. Some could end up in the bullpen, but could step in. So if we look at our count right now, you have Marco Gonzalez, YK, so you say Kikuchi, Justin Dunn, Justice Sheffield, Nick Margavichis, Logan Gilbert, who you are pretty confident can start and do well next year. You also have LJ Newsome and George Kirby. Um, Newsome proved he could start and relieve as a long long reliever this year. Kirby's kind of that next guy behind Margavichis. So that's eight names. I put Newsome and Kirby together as kind of the question marks in there. I think overall they take, bring in two guys. One guy who'd be like a AAA slash MLB guy, a guy like when they brought in Tommy Malone or Nick Margavitis, And I think you bring in one guy that you know is an MLB-level pitcher. So um, in terms of guys that are available, they could go with a reclamation project guy. Um, the Mariners have done great with taking guys who are struggling or taking guys who are coming back from injury and building them up again. So I look at Robbie Ray in Arizona or Chris Archer, who probably doesn't get that $10 million extension in Pittsburgh. Although, who knows? Um, Both guys are coming off some rough years. Um, Robbie Ray was especially disappointing. And I wonder if one of them says, hey, I'm going to go to Seattle and not just try to compete next year, but try to resurrect my career, try to get back to that top level, take a one-year deal where I can work with a guy who tends to flip pitchers around really well like he's done with Taiwan Walker. Um, So I see Robbie Ray and Chris Archer as high possibilities just because I don't get why they wouldn't want to come and develop under a guy named DePoto, pitch in a stadium that's a little bit more pitcher-friendly, build some of those numbers back up after it's been some rough years. So Robbie Ray Chris Archer, definitely possibilities. There's kind of this next level. Um, guys like Tywan Walker and Alex Wood, guys we talked about last year as possibilities, and obviously Walker came in. Um, I think most fans would like to see Tywan Walker back, having him, him having been a Mariner for a long time and having stepped up and looked great last year. Didn't get himself a playoff start this year, unfortunately, but did get to be part of a playoff run, and now to bring him back would be great. Um, Alex Wood is another one that recovered his season last year and it's starting to look better um so i think these guys won't command a ton in free agency um but you could probably get them on a two or three year deal for 10 million per year or so um so both would be reasonable options as your mlb guy um tyler chatwood and brad peacock are another group of guys that kind of fit together um i the nice thing with them is they have reliever experience both have relieved games before um Brad Peacock kind of tends to bounce back and forth. Chatwood kind of got moved into that role in 2019. So either one of them, if you sign them, not only are you getting a guy who can start, but you're getting a guy who will be in your bullpen if he's not starting. And that's going to be the biggest focus. So both those guys we'll talk about a little bit here in a little bit. And then finally, if the Mariners want to get crazy, um, Stroman and Trevor Bauer are out on the market. I don't see the Mariners going out after these guys, but Stroman, for example, just sat out of or 2020, had a minor injury. It's possible that his market is really low and his value is really low right now, and you can get an incredible value on him. So I would love to see Stroman as a Mariner. I think they end up getting outbid. I think a lot of teams will recognize, okay, his market's low, and push that value right back up. Um, but that's a possibility. Bauer, because of his willingness to take a one-year deal, it kind of makes Seattle a bad option because you would really want to see him in Seattle in 2022. I don't think he would see Seattle as winning in 2021, even with him. Um, So I think he'll go to a team with a better team. Um, But I would love to see somebody not just offer Bauer a one-year deal, but let him prove himself and completely... um bet on himself and just give him a huge incentive laden deal. Um, I think with Bauer, what you see is a guy who's extremely confident in himself and in his strategies. You see a guy who's very good with data, but very good with taking data and using it to make him a better pitcher and using it to help himself work harder. So if you could give him like a $20 million guarantee with 20 million dollars in incentives if he starts x amount of games if he strikes out this many batters if he has an era of this if he's a Cy Young winner if he's an all-star let the guy bet on himself and give him that big deal I do think if you're Seattle though it has to be a two-year deal at least um, I don't think he would come to Seattle knowing it's just a one-year stopover with a team that's struggling and rebuilding but I think he would definitely come to Seattle if it was a two-year deal. And so we'll see what happens with that. I don't expect Bauer. Um, I think Stroman is the biggest name you could see. I don't see Tanaka leaving New York at all. Um, James Paxton is out there, but he gets hurt every year, and I just don't think you want that on this team. Um, so I think Stroman is your best option, but I think a lot of other teams will believe that too. And so hopefully we can get a guy like Taiwan Walker, Alex Wood, and bring them back, as well as a guy like Brad Peacock or Tyler Chatwood would have no problem in the bullpen but would also be able to start. And finally our last mess to unravel is the bullpen. Um, DePoto has said we're going to bring in three to four guys quite frankly before free agency even starts we could have brought in three to four different guys just because teams are cutting guys and they're going to start adding um, they're waving guys they're easy to pick up for cheap I think the Mariners do that with a few players um, like we already have with on the other end, letting Art Warren now in Texas, letting Gilbo go now in, um, where'd Gilbo go? Did he go to Atlanta? No, Arizona. Um, So you have guys who just left. They're going to bring in guys in like, was it Ramon Tapia from Boston? And you'll get some bigger names once the playoff teams start cutting guys. But just to give a breakdown of what you have right now, is really as guys you would kind of trust in the bullpen next year. You have Kendall Graveman, Johan Ramirez, who will be interesting because since he stayed the full year on the Mariners roster, he is now one of their players. So they can send him to the minor leagues next year, which they couldn't this year without losing him back to the Astros, or at least having to offer him back to the Astros. So you could see him start in the minors next year before making a return. Um, Brandon Brennan is an interesting one hurt most of this year. So we'll see if he comes back. Mesowitz is a solid start, a solid reliever. Um, you've got Joey Gerber, Aaron Fletcher, Eric Swanson. None of these are just huge names of guys that you couldn't imagine not being in the bullpen, except maybe Graveman. I'm assuming they pay him that three and a half million dollars. They still haven't picked up that option for sure. Um, so you have some names there. And the other thing is you have starters who could be relievers next year. Mark if if we sign a free agent um, pitcher, there's no reason to keep him in the lineup or in the rotation. He could e- easily be in the bullpen as well as Justin Dunn. Logan Gilbert, if they want him up and pitching, um, his best position might be in the bullpen to start, Um, just like the Padres did with Chris Paddock and Cal Quantrill, guys who are out of this world good or looked out of this world good, but weren't quite ready to start yet. Um, you know LJ Newsome has that ability. George Kirby is another option there. And then the other big one would be Juan Then um, He is going to be Rule 5 eligible this year. So the odds are that the Mariners will add him to that 40-man roster. And with a guy with a fastball that can go over 97, 98, might be a great name for the bullpen because you know he's going to be on that 40-man roster for next year. Um, again, these aren't guarantees, but remember at any point in their career, A reliever is basically a failed starter, Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if any of those guys ended up pitching in relief at some point next year, really just depending on who we end up getting in free agency as a starter. Um, So, DePoto said they'll bring in 3-4. to That's not going to be a problem. I think they'll end up bringing in 6-7 to guys. Several of those guys will be those um, just carousel moves. A guy got waived by another team. We pick them up. So nothing better than Art Warren or Taylor Gilbo, but guys who can compete like those guys or can be solid players like those guys, even if they're not going to change the world. Um, So we talked earlier about Tyler Chatwood and Brad Peacock. Those are very good options because those guys could start and they could be relievers. Um, If you bring in a guy like, um, for example... You bring Tywin Walker back and he struggles, you're not going to really send him to AAA. You're just kind of stuck with him. Um, He might struggle in the bullpen just as much with a guy like Brad Peacock or Tyler Chatwood. You can bring them into the bullpen, and if they're doing well, you can have them start. You can have them as an emergency starter, and I think one of those guys would be extremely beneficial to this team because now, assuming you're getting two starters and three to four solid bullpen pieces... That fills two roles with one guy rather than having a guy that's like a Margavitis who would be in Tacoma if he wasn't starting, basically. Um, so I think that could be a very big pickup. I would go Chatwood personally. He'll probably get a bit of money, possibly 7 ten million $8, $10 million per year for a couple of years. Peacock will be a little bit less because he's a little bit older. But both guys fill two roles. Um, if you're looking to bring in a big name, Uh, Jeremy Jeffress from Milwaukee, I don't think they pick him up for another year because they will be cutting back on salary. Justin Wilson with the Mets, um, who probably does get picked up, however, because they have all the money in the world. Um, I think Jeffress is a good guy to go after. Um, Probably one of the biggest names you would see out there. Um, I would be excited to see them bring in a big big name like that. But we know that bullpen arms are very volatile, so hopefully maybe one guy out there. Um, So you bring in a guy like Peacock or Chatwood, you bring in a guy like Jeffress, and you're probably pretty well set um, bringing in non-big-name guys out there. Some other names of note, like some former Mariners, for example. C.J. Edwards just elected free agency. There's no reason the Mariners couldn't bring him back, possibly at a lower rate than, I think it was $1.1 million. Um, I know he was hurt, and so that might decrease his value. So there's a chance that you bring him back. Um, Anthony Bass is a free agent now out of Toronto, and he has been looking great. A guy with closer potential, as well as Evan Marshall, who kind of pulled everything together with the White Sox. Um, Both are going to be kind of high name, high demand guys, but some former Mariners with some history here. Um, and guys who are pitching really well and could close. Um, so I would expect them to focus on one, maybe two notable names in free agency. Mostly guys are going to be reclamation projects. Again, we saw what DePoto has done with guys like Austin Adams, uh, Taylor Williams, um, guys who are had no expectations but turned into solid players. And you know we can go out and get more guys like that. However, I think you will see a couple of veterans added to this bullpen next year. I would hope for Chatwood or Peacock as my number one options. And then a couple other pieces, some flamethrowers, guys like Jeffress who could close, or a guy like Bass or Marshall. Um, I don't want to go too deep into free agency with bullpens because that's just such a messy thing. So I'm going to leave it there. And we're going to end by talking about the international markets. Um, one name has kind of been added to most lists. Um, but first of all, let's talk about how the international market works. First of all, there's amateurs coming from the international market or pros. Um, both Ichiro and Yusei Kikuchi were signed with pro status. They had at least seven years of professional experience in another league, such as the MPB, which is in Japan, the KBO in Korea. Um, they had at least seven years, and I want to say they were at least 25 years old, and that made them a pro. So when the Mariners signed Yusei Kikuchi, they pay a percentage of his contract to his former team in order to get him. So it's something like 20%. So they sign him for $50 million. They're sending $10 million as well overseas to that team. So these are expensive deals if you sign a professional. Obviously, though, with a guy like Ichiro... He hit the ground running and did great. Same with Tanaka. Um, so you see guys do great from this um, international market all the time. If there's an amateur that makes his way into the market, and this is where Shohei Otani was extra special, is the Angels signed him, and they gave him a bonus, which 5 or $6 million. But the last three years, they've only paid him the veter- the um, major league minimum, which is five sixty dollars a year, something like that, $560,000 per year. Um, because he didn't have that seven years of playing time yet. And so since they did that, he follows the same um, structure of pay, just like any rookie does, where it's three years, you're under team control at the minimum salary, then you have three years of arbitration. And that is a huge deal for um, for Shohei Otani and for the Angels, because they have barely been paying him anything to be such a star, although he has been hurt the whole time. Um, the big name coming out... Is going to be Ha Kim. He is played mostly shortstop and third base in the KBO, which is the Korean Baseball League. Um, definitely a strong, strong ability to play second base for the Mariners. Um, there's a lot of concern about the transfer of a guy from the KBO to the Major League Baseball. We've seen a lot of Japanese players lately, and you just haven't seen as many guys from the KBO. Um, It's not as high quality a league as the MPB, although there's good teams and there's definitely good players. Um, So I would be interested to see what happens here. Um, He is a solid second baseman, puts up great um, consistent, like over 300 hitter, a guy who's going to get an OPS around 800 to 900. So he's a solid player, whether that translates to the major. So that's where it's going to be difficult. However, what you'll see is the Mariners tend to be in the running. For a lot of those, especially a Japanese player, Haseong Kim is Korean, which makes it a little bit different. But this is the generation of kids who were playing in Japan who grew up with Ichiro being the all-world player from Japan, the best athlete in Japan, and all that stuff. So there has to be a ton of kids in Japan who grew up watching Ichiro play for the Mariners. And getting to see YK and Ichiro in that ceremony in 2019 when they played in Japan and Ichiro retiring and Yusei Kikuchi making his first Americans or MLB start. like There has to be a connection between the Mariners and the MPB that Japanese players are going to look at the Mariners with a higher regard, much like a kid growing up in America looks at the Dodgers or the Yankees as kind of that top team that you've always seen. And so anytime a guy does get announced, Haseon Kim is the only big one I've seen so far, But Seattle's going to be in the running for those guys. So once some pitchers, relievers, potentially an outfielder gets um, named, you could easily see Seattle in the running for any of those guys. So those are some free agency targets. Next week, we'll talk about basically those same positions, but how the Mariners can add through trades. Um, Trades get even messier because rather than potentially 30 teams competing for one guy, You also have to balance it out on the other end, so we'll talk about that next time. Thank you for tuning in, and have a great World Series Game 5 tonight at 5. I'm excited.